hi there, this is Winston Male, and I welcome you to Transparency Talks, a podcast from the Center for Collaborative Investigative Journalism, CCIJ. In the podcast, which focuses on issues of truth, transparency, trust, and the people within the CCIJ community, we speak to journalists and other partners that work with CCIJ from different parts of the world. And our guest today is Abigail Lehman, a social entrepreneur, ecosystem builder, and resource mobilizer. And of course, Abigail is also a CCIJ supporter and the co-founder of PhotoStart, a nonprofit organization that teaches life, leadership, and mentorship skills to youth around the globe so they can thrive in today's changing world. Welcome to the podcast, Abigail, and how is your day wherever you are? Thank you so much for having me, Winston. It's such an honor to be here. It's a nice early morning here in New York City. Um, and I'm doing really well. Excited to connect with you. Yeah, nice to be with you uh, as well. And uh, first things first, I know I've tried to describe who you are in the introduction, but maybe that's not enough. So who is Abigail Lemma? Oh, that's a great question. I think I contain multitudes. I think like many young people my age who witnessed, you know, so I'm based in the U.S. and from watching my own family's trajectory and story, I learned from an early age, the traditional path is not the safe one. And I wanted to create a life of my own design and a career that fit my personal values and aspirations, but also worked with a lifestyle that I wanted to create for myself that centered family, but also positive impact and ideally travel and telling meaningful stories that created change. So I went out or set out to create that career for myself. And so I've explored and built different skill sets. I've built my network. I've moved across several different industries, but always the connective tissue was the visual narrative arts, but most especially storytelling. And I think that took me between a number of different industries and sectors. And eventually with my older brother, who also, I use the term multi-passionate. So I'm someone who has multiple skill sets that I bring together and frankly, I think you need that, given where the future of work is headed around the world. I think all of us need to be self-sufficient, lifelong learners. So we combined our talents and our various areas of interest, and eventually PhotoStart was born. So I'll leave it there for now. Yeah, talking about uh, sharing talents, um, mm-hmm. like you rightly said, you co-founded PhotoStart, a photo-focused nonprofit that supports uh, a lot of uh, photo documentary work with und- yes. uh, under you know, with the youth uh, around the world. Now, what prompted you to start this particular type of nonprofit where you focus on, you know, the uh, the youth and then you also talk about photos? What prompted you to start with this, this kind of organization? Absolutely. So I come from a family of travelers. That's what our passion is. And Uh, Having been fortunate enough to travel the world, it's very common to see young children who are not in school when you might expect them to be. And in especially um, certain countries that are still in the development phase, we had learned that many families might choose to have their children go beg at a tourist attraction because, frankly, they might be the most prominent earner in the family by interacting with tourists. And recognizing that there was so much good to be done. And at the same time, you know, so of course, I believe very, very much that education is the most powerful tool that can change the world by investing in human capital or people around the world. 
So wanting to make available education was one pillar, seeing an obvious need for it around the world, how many children, uh, especially we got started in the slums of Nairobi, how many children there in particular were not in school and often left to fend for themselves during the day. So we thought, what is a meaningful third place or an activity that could engage young children? And then ideally, what are skill sets that would set them up for success in life? And photography happens to be the basis of all the other visual narrative arts and storytelling. So when you learn how to compose an image and you learn the fundamentals of photography, it ends up opening, it's a portal, a vehicle to so many other disciplines of self-expression and also documenting one's life, one's community, one's experiences. And it can be therapeutic. It can be self-expressive. It can also lead to different professional pathways. So I, we saw it as a vehicle that would open up the world to young people. And lastly, I'm very passionate about the circular economy. So what are underutilized assets or resources? How might they be repurposed and given a new life and given new value? How could it unlock latent potential? And so in the United States, so many of us are fortunate enough to have old point and shoot cameras or digital cameras that frankly, our phones have replaced and made obsolete. However, that camera is a portal to exploration and discovery and if I do say so, a, a degree of self-transcendence for people to become a storyteller and an agent in their own life. And so how could we liberate that technology that was sitting in the drawers of people that we knew and put it in the hands of students for whom it would be an incredible world opener? So that, those were a couple of the themes, I think, mm -hmm. that came together that inspired PhotoStart. And um, I've noted that you have taken some kind of three-pronged approach uh, as far as educating uh, the youth uh, together with the photo start, of course. For example, you've taken the approach of express, so uh, ensuring that the students express themselves, documenting their lives and telling their community stories, and also taking advantages of new opportunities to learn and, and improve their economic mobility. And lastly, there are other approaches that you are encouraging, you are encouraging these students, you know, to be um, the concept of self leadership, empowerment of others, paying it forward and role modeling. Why did you take this kind of three-pronged approach? Yeah, thank you for the question. So again, photography is just the vehicle. Um, another way I've described our work before, and this is in our updated mission and vision statement, but we offer all of these different skills and avenues of self-development, professional development, and economic development by teaching the art and the business of photography. So again, that's just the container, but all these other life skills when practiced together, I truly believe are the foundation of allowing someone to become an agent in their own life, allowing somebody who has otherwise been told that they don't have the skills, the knowledge, the access, the opportunities. We wanted to provide as much access as we could, but also preparation, internal and external, emotional, mental, and practical. So what tools, skill sets, mindset would allow a young person coming from a marginalized background or from a very economically disadvantaged one to try to enter new spaces and make the very most of those opportunities? And it's so much more than just as, you know, one of my favorite ways of thinking about this is this program is also meant to help those who help themselves. So the way that we architect the program and the program design 
the more you get engaged, the more you grow, the more you give, the more you lead and set an example for others, the more you're recognized, the more opportunities you get. So we've also designed a perpetual um, design of mentorship. So all of our students are engaged in peer mentorship. They're expected to engage in what is known as the protege effect, where as soon as they learn something, they need to teach someone else, which enforces mastery. It requires you to understand a concept or a topic on a whole new level if you know you need to teach someone else. And then we connect them to a global network of mentors um, and our global network of supporters. So the idea here was, how can we weave, I like to describe it as the most nutrient-dense kind of programming, that it solves multiple challenges through elegant program design. And each of our programs can be engineered to be customized to create the outcomes that our partners are seeking. So those are foundational elements that you need, but we also have the flexibility to focus on a community exhibition that creates community cohesion and people to come together in ways that they hadn't before to celebrate the youth, to open up commercial opportunities, to have the students be hired by local community members. So everything that we've designed has been to maximize the value with very little upfront cost and a whole lot of creativity. And what would you say has been the impact so far? I mean, since the inception of Photostat. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for the question. So we are immensely proud. Our first market that we worked in was in Kenya. And now we have seen second, third, fourth generation of students, you know, and we're starting to see the second and third order impact where we have parents that have said, this program saved the lives of my children who would otherwise be lost to gang violence, who otherwise had no pathway forward. Um, we've had students go on to say, I now have a vision for myself. I want to start a business. One of our partners is um, to help those who have left gang life build a new life and way forward, finding dignified and legitimate work. And that organization has become a social enterprise now, leveraging the new skill sets of the students to develop an earned income stream and to become a more self-sustaining organization and to allow these young people to become earners in their own families and to set an example for other students as a role model. So we have remarkable stories where students have been honored, recognized by major outlets like the New York Times. They've contributed to major photo essays and projects. We have students who have been able to earn income that allows them to then attend school and to pay for additional items for their families that are necessary. We have students that have come back to mentor and teach others. We have students that have gone on to launch new programs. And the success we've seen in Kenya has inspired communities around the world. So now we have programs that are running in Iraq and Kurdistan and Bolivia and places far outside of Africa where we started. We primarily operate or where our longest operations are in East Africa and South Africa. So we like to think that this program can be ultra responsive to different local communities and their needs. And during the pandemic, we focused on digitizing, moving things online, teaching in a hybrid fashion. So opening access as much as we could. And that allowed us to start to think about scale. And once we translated our materials, that allowed us to invite communities and partner with um, community-based organizations and nonprofits as I said, that we're much further away, but where we're starting to see impact as well, where students are getting engaged, they're excited. In Iraq, we are partnered with a social impact incubator technology space. So these are students or young people who are working on solutions that are meant to address socioeconomic challenges. And by adding photography and storytelling, they're now able to more diligently 
create their online marketing and their online presence, their social media, think about visual storytelling for their website and amplify their impact. And now we already have students that have signed up and said, I want to teach, I want to work with you. How do we bring this to more people? So those are some highlights and some success stories. Oh, wow. And um, talking about Kenya, I think um, there's uh, some story um, which you briefly shared with us about some students were some former gang members in Nairobi, you know, um, but then they get organized and uh, led some trash cleanup in their community with the local police, yeah, with the local police in Kenya. And you are so much interested to see such kind of stories to be told in the media out there. Why do you think such kind of stories should be told uh, worldwide via the media? Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's a real success story. I appreciate you sharing it because, of course, I forgot it. So for context, we have had the privilege of working with a number of these students. Um, our team lovingly has referred to them as reformees, or one of our teachers also refers to them as students who have wandered off the path, and we just guide them gently back on. So, so many young people around the world lack the role models and lack anybody who they can relate to that they see as also having similar circumstance and can similarly help them overcome their challenges. So who you see and the stories that you're shown and what I, I think that's directly related to what you think is possible. So in this instance, we had students who recognized that there was a major challenge, several actually, one very great challenge with trash uh, and piles of plastics and other debris that just sit in the streets and that certainly don't contribute to a healthy, safe environment. And of course, trust and community safety and relations between youth, especially those who might be gang affiliated or connected, but youth writ large and the local police. And so our students proposed, initiated and led a trash cleanup that was such a success and it brought together the police and these students and they started exchanging phone numbers. The police were so impressed with our students who were also documenting and their leadership skills and their personable um, exchanges. So now the police have asked for their own program too. And I think, especially in the United States, to see people crossing lines like this to solve a collective or shared social challenge, it's revolutionary. And when you think about police relations in the United States, which is also, you know, you cannot understand it without the lens of racial inequality in this country, What's so fascinating is Kenya holds a mirror back to us about ethnic and tribal division and about socioeconomic division. And I think that in a world such as the one we live in right now, these uplifting stories cannot be told enough. But to see that people are coming together to solve these greater challenges, I hope everybody around the world takes inspiration and asks, how can I do something like that? Who can I enroll? Who can I partner with? Who can I collaborate with? to address a shared challenge to make our community a better place. Wow. And um, I know you have been supporting uh, the CCIJ one way or the other. So at what point did you come to learn about the Center for Collaborative Investigative Journalism? Yeah, so one of my dearest friends uh, happens to be a journalist who has contributed to a number of these collective projects. And if you haven't heard it already, and plus a lot of my other work is all about collaboration and it's all about how we can achieve more together. So I was very aligned with the mission when I heard about these incredible projects that she was working on about water rights and minerals and some of the larger complex interconnected geopolitical 
challenges that they were covering or even the socioeconomic ones, which happens to be where I tend to take more interest, um, it was so clear to me that I wanted to learn more. And as I learned more about her work and this organization, it was just so impressive to me. And I knew I wanted to support their mission. And then, of course, given what I do with Photostart, I saw for sure a long-term partnership potential where I would love to see some of our students go on to join this organization. You know, we like to joke, if we only make photographers, we will have failed. Our students should be anything and everything that they choose to do by applying these skill sets in new avenues. Um, so it would be wonderful, though, nevertheless, to see some of our students pursue this path and become visual storytellers who are documenting what's happening in their communities. Um, one story I didn't get to share with you briefly, but a student of ours was recently, his work was included in a medical journal because he was documenting the health interventions during COVID in his community. And so public health was better advanced and supported by his efforts. And I think many other industries um, could see similar advantage by having more eyes on the ground, more native, more community-led voices and eyes that are telling these stories. Well, I, I must say, honestly, I'm impressed by your work. Now, as we are coming towards the end of our interview, uh, is there anything else that you'd want to share with our listener out there uh, about your your work? Oh, thank you for that. That's very generous to make that space for me to share. So, of course, anybody can donate cameras to us, digital cameras and laptops and uh, computers, well, mostly laptops and tablets, are most, most appreciated because we never have enough of those. And that helps our students learn to edit, process, produce, and distribute their work. And those are such necessary skills to participating in the 21st century workforce and having a location independent uh, prospect for yourself as we think about how more and more young people are able to take advantage of location-free opportunities if they have the training, if they have the know-how, if they have the mentorship and the connection. So if people would like to follow up with us, if they want to mentor their time or volunteer as a skilled volunteer, some of their professional skills, please don't hesitate to reach out. We're at photostart.org and you can reach out to info at photostart.org. But if I think about other ways, of course, you know, financial support, like any other nonprofit is always most welcome and most needed so that we can expand our offerings. And if there's people around the world who take inspiration from this, please reach out, please raise your hand as a champion, somebody who wants to activate a new ecosystem. And by that, I mean, find a local community-based organization or a school where we can help, you know, an entire generation of young people find and exercise their voices find multiple ways of expressing themselves and to become empowered young people who also have this collaborative spirit, who know how to lead and communicate with each other to address these collective challenges we face because none of us are going to do it alone. We're going to do it together in partnership. And I think that's what I also saw in the Center for Collaborative and Investigative Journalism is how do we do this together? So I'm in service of that larger project. All right. Thanks so much. And uh, I really, on behalf of CCIJ and the podcast team, Josh and Kali, I would really want to appreciate for your time. I know you are busy, but you allowed us to talk to you. Oh my goodness, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and please keep up your wonderful work. And I hope that we have student stories coming up on Africa Brief and across the CCIJ podcast, Transparency Talks in the days ahead. I do hope we get to celebrate that one day soon. Most definitely. Well, thank you so much.
Well, on that note, we come to the end of Transparency Talks, a podcast from the Center for Collaborative Investigative Journalism, CCIJ. And our guest today was Abigail Lehman, a social entrepreneur and economic, uh, ecosystem builder, and of course, resource mobilizer. And she was telling us a wonderful work. This is a podcast that focuses on issues of truth, transparency, trust, and the people within the CCIJ community. And of course, we speak to journalists and our partners from different parts of the world. This is Winston Murray. Take care.